It's hard to do these when all the days blend together. But I'm pretty sure today is Wednesday, March 8th, 2020. And you're listening to Coronatos. Uh. Yeah. It's your boy, Jay Waves. Normally I do these little intros at night when I'm a little bit more lit, but that's cool. I'm jacked up on decaf coffee and imitation Nutella. Let me tell you, you know how they always got those generic items at the grocery store and you read the ingredients and they're the same ingredients as the name brand product and you think to yourself, hey, it's a couple dollars cheaper. I could get this off-brand. I can get this store brand version. It's it's not going to be any different. And you know, sometimes the differences are not that noticeable. Now, I know people who swear the generic NyQuil just doesn't have that NyQuil feeling. And hey, I don't really want to buy the Equate brand either, but often I do. But I can tell y'all from personal experience, the Harris Teeter brand Hazelnut spread, aka the imitation Nutella, does not taste as good. It does not. I did not hit her. I did not. It does not taste as good. I wanted to remind everybody about uh, Ask Wavos and Quarantine Confessions. Hit us up at coronatos at gmail.com. It has been suggested that I tone down the erotic element of quarantine confessions and just have them be regular confessions. This was sent to me by Catherine Rackley in Singapore. Shout out to Catherine Rackley. She suggests, I think you could get more traction on that if it were just general confessions and not limited to erotic ones. I imagine a lot of people have been having some deep thoughts and confessing things to themselves about their lives, jobs, relationships, etc. And I think that's a great idea. So let's make that the norm now, huh? Quarantine confessions. I'll be honest with you, I haven't received any any confessions, erotic or otherwise. Coronatos at gmail.com has been a veritable desert. I haven't even seen a tumbleweed rolling through, not a, not a lizard, not a scorpion, not one cacti. It's bleak. I'd love to hear from some of y'all. And ask Wavos, hey, I've always wanted to have an advice column. Can I live? I just want to give you advice so that you may live. I don't know if you can hear this construction in the background, but they're fucking grinding stumps or some shit like two houses down. It's really, it's really annoying. It sounds like this. I finally saw that Batman movie with Bane in it. And I got to tell you, where, where are my Bane memes at? He's got the respirator. He's ready for coronavirus. Why haven't I seen more Bane memes? I want all the Bane memes. I'm obsessed with Bane. I love the way he talks. I love his outfits. 
I love I love everything about the character. Um, shout out to Tom Hardy. Shout out to Bob Kane. Send me all your Bane-related content, but especially Bane coronavirus memes. I asked my boy Hank Stockard, a.k.a. Said Deep, to make a mix exclusively for Corona Toast, and guess what? He done did it. It's called Mirage Goggles. We're going to be dropping it soon. I can't wait to share that with y'all. I was bumping it last night. This shit is dope. Today's guest, the illustrious, the elusive, Victoria Bulabasis, Durham Zone, journalist, writer, cook, DJ, producer, filmmaker, and she is my first guest who had coronavirus. Check it out. Check it out. I need to know how to pronounce your name properly. I need to know how you would assume you pronounce it. I would probably just say Bula Basis. Perfect. That's, That's it. it. Okay. Yeah. Um, does it does it have any and this this is not a Greek dish. I guess there's there's no connection to Bouillabaisse, base, right? You're the first person to ever ask me that. You're being sarcastic, of course. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, what is the no, answer to that not. question for the people listening who may want to know? It does not. Okay, Bouillabaisse base is not a it's not a Greek not a Greek word. I mean, we do fish stews, but it's just you know a fish stew. So no, it's not a Greek word. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And um, you are so I'm talking to Victoria Bulabasis coming to you live from Durham, North Carolina. Right? You are in Durham, yeah. I'm in Durham, yeah. And this is a beautiful uh, Sunday afternoon. So thank you for being inside and talking to me right now. Yeah, lots of choices otherwise, but thank you. <laughs> we might as well just kick this off with a bang. Um, did you have coronavirus? <laughs> um, I don't know. It's presumed that I did. I had symptoms, um, but I never got the test. So yeah, we could talk about that. Okay. So as a journalist, I would say you probably are a little bit more in the know than me about uh, some some social things. So what do you know about testing in the area? Like if you had wanted to get tested, like what kind of hoops would you have had to jump through? Well, I actually know this because of actually calling the um, Department of Health and Human Services myself. So I can, the process basically to determine like what was going on was I um, had assumed I was a vector or carrier because I had gone through a two if you count Raleigh, three international airports, like the week that the pandemic hit the U.S. And so I had come back and decided just to quarantine for two weeks to just be sure I wasn't having any symptoms or at least not like giving it to my housemate or other people. So um, when I started getting symptoms, I called the urgent care that I've gone to because I don't have a primary care provider at the moment. That doctor said that they all, all the symptoms I, I listed presented as like COVID symptoms, but she gave me a number to call. Um, and it's the, oh, I'm going to totally screw this up, but it's something like the department for communicable diseases through the health and human services of North Carolina. And she said that that's, those are the people I could call to do a screening over the phone on whether or not I should have a test. She wanted me to get a test based on her assessment on over the phone. And this is just someone you were talking to. This wasn't someone that knew you. This was just someone you were talking to that was like, yo, you should go get tested. It, it was a doctor. So I called the urgent care that I normally go to saying, hey, I have these symptoms. Should I come in? And so she confirmed that she was not just someone picking up the phone, that she was a provider at the urgent care. It's the Fast Med Urgent Care in Chapel Hill. 
and that's like my insurance is really effed up, but basically I can't go to any doctor in Durham now through this <laughs> insurance I have. And a lot of people are in that same situation. So this doctor told me to call this particular number. And so when I called the number, the guy asked me a number of things. Um, but there were three reasons he gave me that um, did not qualify me at that time for a test. A couple were pretty arbitrary, and I would argue the third one was as well. But one was I had come back from Chile, and he said that wasn't on the list of countries, which I don't even think that's like a valid excuse. The second was that I had not been in contact with a confirmed positive case, which again, if the tests are hard to get, like how how is that even possible, right? Um, and then the third one was I didn't have a fever, and I never had a fever. Um, so that's arguable because I think it's just hard because a lot of us are still learning. And me being a journalist doesn't give me any sort of other insight aside from the fact that like I might know like a number to call over an average person because I've just like Googled the hell out of it. And, you know, we're granted access if we're, we call somebody and ask for data sets or whatever. Um, we have those like, I guess you could call it privileges, but because it's public record, it's just a matter of like, you know, whose job affords them the time to do something like that. Yeah, no, I, I used to, I said the journalist thing, I guess I meant just like in general that you're probably better informed than say someone like me, just because of some of the the stories that you cover and the people you interact with. You you would be more informed than me as to like, okay, here here's where I am now. Like, what's my next step? In this situation, I ne didn't necessarily feel that way. Although I do know I was relaying a lot of information to my parents who like aren't as savvy as far as like Google research, you know, or like even through Twitter, like I can see something on Twitter and then figure out how to fact check it versus my parents who've never even opened Twitter, you know? And so I think there's like levels of, you know, based on education and generation, like what we're able to find. But yeah, I think as far as the information about this particular virus, it's still ongoing as far as the way we're learning about it and the way even scientists are learning about it. And so, you know, I've been trying to find reputable sources, but, you know, those were the two people I called here on the ground. And then my brother-in-law is actually a resident at a hospital in New York, and he's in radiology. So he's been diagnosing scans, like he's been reading positive scans. And so he is also somebody, like I would call him and or my sister, and they were just kind of walking me through. But he basically let me know, how to manage my symptoms and like what would qualify me or what he thought I needed to do if like my symptoms got worse. Like here's the point you go to the emergency room. Is he seeing stuff in x-rays that, that like is like, Oh shit. Like this is, this is what coronavirus looks like. That's my understanding. I mean, he has been saying I've been reading positive scans. He also has had um, colleagues test positive. So at this point, it's like a lot of people in the medical profession, I, I I just feel like most of us are going to get this thing. And it's just a matter of like how our bodies respond, right? I didn't get a fever. I rarely get a fever. I can't remember the last time I had a fever. So, but my body responded in other ways that were like, this is like an extreme level of a symptom I've had before. And then it was, I had respiratory issues that I've never experienced in my life. Would you say that you don't get fevers because you're cool? <laughs> yes, super cool. Um, no, that is not at all the reason. It's far from it. Um. <laughs> I just got back from Honduras kind of when all the shit was popping off too. I was in 
I, I flew out on the 11th of March and I came back on, I think the 15th. And oh, wow. so, you know, we were going through airports as well. And we, you know, we were watching the news every day. We were like, yo, are we gonna, are we gonna get to come back? And I'm, I'm still getting, I did, I got so freaked out. I was like really, really high when I found out that I was going to Honduras and I was like really excited. Somebody, somebody bought me a ticket. That's why I like, I quote unquote found out I was going, but somebody got me a ticket. I was like, oh yes, this is, sounds so exciting. Then I fell down the rabbit hole of like murder, mayhem, kidnapping, like Honduras, murder capital of the world. And I got like really, really scared. So I, I registered with um, like the, the embassy you know, so they uh -huh. could like track my movements and like know where I was staying in case I in case I vanished. And um, I'm still getting emails from them. The last couple of days, they've been like, "Yo, we have there's one flight that's booked. There's 120 seats. Get get on this flight, or you're you're stuck in Honduras." And so that's only like two weeks after uh, we were there. So what um what airline did you fly? I'm curious. Uh, good question. I want to say like American Airlines. So. I went to Chile with my boyfriend who's from there, but he right now and when lives was in this? Texas. When was this? We flew back. It was an overnight flight. So I flew back the 16th, which was a Monday, and arrived back to Raleigh on Tuesday the 17th. And he was flying back to Texas. And so he was flying LATAM, which is like a Latin American yeah, airline. Yeah, we flew, we flew into Dallas. Okay, okay. Well, he his flight was empty because... Most of the people who flew that airline and were in Chile were from there. I, or I'm, This is just what I'm imagining. So his flight was empty because everybody was like, well, I just, I'm, I'm going to bunk up here with my family. And he made the choice to fly back. I flew Air Canada and my flight was packed and they kept adding people onto it because I think it was like all of us who are, are not from that area trying to get home. So it was really interesting to see this like social sort of effects of people making choices based on the pandemic of like what to do. So he had like a whole row, like he like laid down and I was like my scarf over my face, like trying not to get it. And there were like, you know, people coughing around me in the plane. So we, we had both of our flights were, uh, I would describe them as half full, both on the way down and on the way back. I mean, the airports were already starting to thin out by the time that we left. So I will say that, I don't know if I noticed this on the way there so much or on the way back, but I remember thinking like, just that everybody on the plane looked mad. You know, everybody mm. just looked pissed. And I think it was not necessarily because they were traveling, but because of the fact that they were like in this situation where they were like, yo, like I'm in a box with a bunch of people, you know, coughing and breathing who might be getting me sick. I also learned a, uh, a hot tip for flying that I've never done before. Uh, maybe you already knew this one, but because I knew that the flights were gonna be a little less crowded than normal and there were gonna be open seats, I would just wait until everybody boarded the plane. And I'd wait till there was mm. like nobody else on the plane or like nobody else milling around. And then I'd get on the plane and then I'd look and I'd be like, ooh, there's a free row right there. And then I'd just go sit in that row and uh, not worry about like, you know, what my ticket said or whatever, so. Oh, nice. Like, I felt like that was kind of a, a hot tip. So I didn't uh, I didn't lay down, but I always had I always got an aisle seat and I, I always had the seat next to me free. So that was tight. Yeah. Yeah. I had a I had like a window seat and the middle was free and the guy in the aisle was wearing a mask, like a real <laughs> legit mask. Um, so I was like, why is he doing that? But what no. um, what do you are you uh, are you a, a window or aisle? Or I guess middle. You could be a middle, and most people aren't. Yeah, strange. No, I mean I'm a, I'm a window, but now it's just, 
I've become this germaphobe. Like that, that experience freaked me the hell out. And I'm like, I wiped everything down. I mean, I had Clorox. Oh, hell yeah. I had, I had wipes. I was wiping shit like crazy. And I was one of the only, and you know what? I saw some, some people wiping years ago just when I was traveling somewhere else. And I was like, yo, can I get one of those wipes? Cause I was like, yeah, that's a good move. Cause you know, these tables are nasty. Yeah. The tables are freaking nasty. And then, you know, you read all these things again, this information is coming to us piecemeal, but you're reading like, Oh, it sticks on plastic longer. And you know, whatever. Wow, see, see, I heard metal. I heard metal longer. <laughs> I've heard metal too, but I've heard plastic is really bad. But then I read after the fact, which I think would have helped me prior to boarding, but like Apparently, the air circulating in airplanes is actually really good because by the time you're getting the same air, it's filtered through the system four times or some some shit. I don't know. But damn. All right. Well, give it up for filtering four times. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. 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 We're at the club. Uh, yeah, On a I Sunday. <laughs> okay, so um, let's. Uh, <laughs> speaking of germophobia, I think we can we can bond over this. So speaking, I mean, we, basically, we can we can say whatever we want about disease related shit because I had cancer. You had cancer. Yeah, I had melanoma, which was strange. You said that it actually had had started to spread to your to your brain, or no, 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 no. no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> No. So the thing is, is like you tell people melanoma and if you would have told me something like this, I would have been like, that's yeah, just you laugh skin at cancer. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's, can- it's candy cancer. <laughs> yeah. But it's actually like incredibly dangerous because it kills a lot of people. Well, your skin is your biggest is your biggest organ, right? Biggest organ. Yeah. And if you get it and it spreads, it immediately goes to one of three places, your brain, your liver or your lungs. And then once you get cancer there there's like a 5% chance survival rate of the like person. (laughs) So yeah, yeah, I had, it was 2017. Um, I had this mole that like looked funky and they removed it. And it was like, I was going back to Greece for the first time in like a million years because I was in my cousin's wedding. And I was like, oh, maybe I should try to handle this before I'm like in the sun every day. So I removed this thing. I had this like big old bandage on my body on the beach. It was like super, super cute. Um, but then I got back and at like 7 a.m., I think I arrived on like midnight and I had told my dermatologist exactly when I would be back. And at 7 a.m. the next morning, my phone like rang. I missed like three calls before I answered it because I was so jet lagged. And she was like, you have melanoma this is potentially fatal. I'm immediately referring you she to She used the word fatal off the jump she like that? She used that term, yeah. <gasps> Which later, she was technically correct, but, you know, my un- I had this amazing oncology nurse, and she was just like, you know, that's the worst thing that woman had seen all week versus, like, for us, it's, like, not, not the worst, not the best, but it's, like, not, you know, we have a better sense. But, I mean, this woman was, she was right. And, you know, I had heard there was like six weeks between that and like scheduling a surgery or having a surgery and like the surgery basically removed the rest of the tumor site. And then they had to remove a few lymph nodes closest to the tumor site to determine whether it had spread. Okay. That's real. If they're, when they start chopping out lymph nodes, that's, that's some real. Yeah. I mean, I'd never had like a surgery like that before and I was like totally under. Um, But yeah, they, it was like, uh, in the beginning, they're like, oh, you have about 25% chance of this having spread through your body. And then like later they told me I had up to like 40% chance. 
So 40% chance is like too much of a chance to be like, I have a brain tumor. Yeah. Um, so it was just, I mean, it was just a scary month and a half for sure. That was a, f- a funky ass mole, yo. Yeah. Dude. And like, I'm moly, you know, and I have olive skin. Like this was not something that I would ever consider. I've n- never not worn sunscreen. Like it was just kind of fucking weird. Also, they are trying to track like how melanoma happens in people and it's happening in folks who actually have strong melanin. Like there was this one guy in Good Morning America who was an African-American athlete, like super healthy, and he had a mole under his toe, like under his big toe, and it was melanoma. And he had like an even higher chance than me of like having it had spread. You know, like it's just crazy. Under the toe? So there's, yeah, yeah. And like mine was also in a place where the sun don't shine. Like it wasn't like I was out here like, tanning my whole life and like exposed so it's kind of strange and they it's actually reacting better to immunotherapies which has um helped slow down the the fatalities so then i guess when this stuff happened the covid stuff i was like well did what i have like relate to my immune system and like am i immunopressed what is it um, compromised, immunocompromised, right. yeah. immunocompromised. Um, not to make light um, of that, know? but you know, yeah, I don't know, but yeah, it was just, you know, it's, it's a weird thing, but I think I was telling you earlier and maybe you experienced something similar where you're like, you know, post-surgery, you're kind of just stuck. Like I couldn't walk for about a week because of the surgery. And so that like really trained me to just be still with my anxieties <laughs> whatever but that i've had like a similar sort of like reaction to this particular thing like i kind of snapped back into that routine of like sort of like trying to stabilize my mental health while i'm like just sitting and waiting for something to get better or worse you know you just kind of nailed it for me with sitting and waiting so to just to tie it into the cancer thing so i had i did chemotherapy and i was diagnosed with uh, with cancer in like the beginning of April and my last day of chemo was the 28th of August. And even after you finish chemo, you know, they're basically like, yo, you can't do shit for a hot minute because your immune system sucks. So you need to stay at home, blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, I, I I wasn't like on quarantine, but I, I basically was doing exactly what I'm doing now, which was like just sitting at home and I mean, now I've been working on podcasts a lot lately, but I was making music like a, like a champ then. And I just was at home and I even have a line in a song where I, I, I can't remember exactly what I say, but I wrote a lot of music during that time about what I was going through. And I have a line where I say like, the hardest thing I have to do is just sit and wait. The hardest thing I ever had to do is just fucking wait. Cushion got a groove, best friend is the boo too. I smoke a lot of weed, I eat a whole lot of food. First hair I began to lose was my pews. Miss most pussy, second miss most booze. That's all there was to do. It was like, I'd go, yeah. I'd get, you know, get my drip, i come home. And then I just, I'm just chilling. And then like, that's my life. Like, I just have to chill. And I just have to wait this out. And that was just months and months of just chilling. And... I don't know if I developed skill because around that time uh, was my the first time that I was I had been uh, living by myself. You know, I'd always had mm-hmm. roommates and stuff, so I just got in a place kind of by myself. So I was also getting used to the idea of of living like completely alone. You know, with no pet, no anything. I didn't have a girlfriend at the time, so I, yeah, I think I, I probably learned uh, how to just chill by myself and just do nothing. 
Um, and this is actually, I wasn't really comparing the two until just now, but this actually is, uh, is a little similar. And, you know, when I had cancer, I didn't think that, you know, I had testicular cancer, which they say is, you know, very curable. So I never was like, oh God, I'm going to die. But I mean, I was scared, you know, and yeah. this is a, actually kind of like a very similar time where there's like this uncertainty and I'm, I'm hoping that things that are supposedly working are working and, you know, I'm just at home by myself and, you know, doing my thing every day. And I, I'm pretty good at this kind of stuff. I spend a lot of time by myself, but I do wonder about people who rely heavily on social interaction, you know, how they're holding up during all this. Yeah. I mean, thanks for sharing that. And I, it totally sucks that it like can bring you back to that, but it's also become your own survival mechanism too. Like a friend of mine, a really close friend of mine had cancer as well and went through chemo. And he said the same thing about how just feels like that time, <laughs> which could be, that could also bring back a lot of like, you know, <laughs> PTSD and for many people. But yeah, I mean, to your point about like being used to being alone, I'm similar and like my work requires it, but also my work requires going out talking to people. And like, I've really missed that balance. You know, initially when I had the symptoms, I was freaking out because I have a housemate. And so like, I, I kept to my room for two weeks and I brought in a table to use as a desk and got like incredibly winded because I was like not breathing normally. And that's when I was like, oh shit, I actually have something going on here because I've never had breathing issues. Yeah, that's scary. It was scary. And you get really paranoid. And so like I'd go and I'd like get a glass of water and then I'd like bleach the sink handle immediately. Like anything I touched, I would like sanitize within seconds. And it just got to the point where I was like, this has become OCD. Yeah. And now that like I'm totally... Um, the CDC recently recommended 72, 72 hours post-symptoms. You're like, good. So as soon as I hit that, I was like, awesome. Like I can like leave my door open and not worry. And like, you know, we just wipe everything down at the end of the day, but I don't have to like constantly be wiping things I'm doing and I'm just washing my hands and it's normal. But like during that two weeks when I had symptoms, um, pre, during post, like it was, I don't know. I was making myself crazy, even though I think at this point you can't be too careful and cautious, but I was just like, you know, my roommate was still going out in the world and, you know, running to the post office or like picking up groceries or doing whatever. Um, and so I was just freaking out. <laughs> the moment when I realized that I wanted to have you, um, wanted to have you on the show was uh, an Instagram post that you made on March 26th, so not even that long ago. And it's this really great picture. It's from, it's, you're looking through your window and your window panes almost, they almost look like bars, you know, in this situation. <laughs> and there's a, a picture um, like across the way of a, of a window and you see like a person's arm um, coming around the curtain and it says, comfortable distance, been quarantining for 10 days, self-isolating in my room since Saturday, a flash of humanity from the church next door is my first glimpse of a stranger. Um, you know, poetic and deep and all that, but, Trauma. but, but, re but yeah, I know, but, but real though, but real. And I was like, yo, like this is, this is real though. Like this is a person that I know that like feels trapped right now, you know? And I felt like you would be a good person to talk about this thing because you do have a poetic way. I mean, you're a writer, you know, so you have a, a poetic way of, of looking at things. So I thought you'd have some good stuff to say about about what's going yeah. on and about your own personal experience with it. Because I don't know anybody. My So I went with 
four other guys down to Honduras. Like long story short, it was a uh, it was like a birding a birding adventure. Whoa! I want to. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, we, we should could, talk about that. No, we can talk. Cool. Yeah, we can talk about that. Um, it it was it was fucking amazing. But one of the guys uh, who was on the trip, you know, we all were trying to kind of do some quarantining when we got back. I, I don't know how serious we were taking it. I was taking it seriously. I don't know how serious the rest of them were. Um, but one of the guys on the trip, after maybe I think less than a week of being back. He got really sick. He had a really high fever. His wow. uh, his chest hurt so bad that he um he said he said that he he loves his cat. He's like a cat guy now. He never used to be a cat guy, but now he's a cat guy. And he's like uh, he's like my cat was trying to sit on my chest, and my my chest hurt too much for you know to even have my cat sit on me. And he was like that for two days. He called about getting a test. They said you know the closest test. So he was in Dallas, but the closest test was mm. in um I can't remember the name of the city, but it was it was like a you know an hour or two away. And they were like, just sit at home and whatever. And he was fine in two days. Um, wow. And, yeah. And none of us ever experienced anything. I mean, that was weeks ago. And I've been I've been doing a pretty good job about quarantining. And I haven't experienced anything. I felt kind of travel sick. You know, I had that kind of like, I've been traveling and like my stomach's fucked up and like mm -hmm. I haven't got enough sleep. And so I felt kind of off for a few days, but I haven't had any type of symptoms, you know, since then. Wow. I mean, it, what he said about the chest thing is like, so true like for me I felt like there was just a stack of at least a hundred books just like pressing on my chest at all times and like our conversation now would not have been possible then because after I was trying to do work and like interview people over the phone and after each um sentence I'd have to like take a deep breath because I'd, I'd literally be winded from talking wow. out loud and that's yeah I mean it sounds like he had it and it's crazy that y'all didn't, but then it's almost like maybe you guys are, were carrying it. So it's good you quarantined. Like, it's just so uncertain and invisible. No one really understands it at this point. There are a lot of symptoms too that, like I had read about the digestive issues being a symptom and I like just normally have GI issues like throughout my life. But the day, the night that it, I realized that maybe my headaches were not just normal migraines was when I just like started vomiting out of nowhere. And it was not the food I was eating because I kept eating it afterwards too and before. Like it was just like not um, – it was just something that felt really uncontrollable. And I was like, this feels like the one time I got food poisoning in another country. Like what's happening? Um, and then after that is when I just like started having breathing issues and then this like weird fatigue and soreness that came in waves. Like I'd wake up in the morning fine and then I'd like walk into the kitchen too many times and like my legs would give out. Like I literally had to lay down. It was, it was like it forcefully like makes you stop. Yeah. So it got you. So you, you probably, you probably had that shit. Yeah. I mean, I, the, from my brother-in-law and that woman I talked to, it, it all, it all lines up and like vomiting is one of the less common things, but losing your sense of taste and smell is, has become more common. I did not have that. And if I did, I would have literally told the world, like, guys, right. I can't taste. <laughs> right, right, right. So I feel like, I feel like I can doubly, I can doubly talk shit because not only am I in the cancer club, but I was living in Los Angeles in 2014 when California was going through this major swine flu epidemic. And oh, it was, it was killing people like young, healthy people, like left and right. Like I remember buying some, um, some some shit at Guitar Center and having like a really emotional conversation with the guy selling me the stuff because his homeboy that was in his 20s had just died of it mm. and I ended up with it. 
Oh my God. I, I feel like I could have almost, could have almost died because I went to see a doctor and, you know, in retrospect, I think, I think that this, this doctor, this was an urgent care out there. And I think the doctor was kind of a quack. And I think that he thought that I wanted um, codeine cough syrup. Oh my so, god! Because <laughs> that's when I look back on it. Because I'm like, what the fuck was wrong with this guy? So he, I'm talking to the doctor, and he's like, yeah, you have strep throat. And I'm like, no, my throat doesn't hurt. I'm like, I'm coughing a lot. My throat is fine. And he's like, no, you have strep throat. Oh god! And I'm like, okay. So he writes me a prescription for some codeine cough syrup. I'll happily take the cough syrup, but like, I don't want to die. But I didn't realize yeah. quite how bad it was. So I left. I took my prescription, you know, whatever. I'm having a good time with this stuff. But I mean, I just kept coughing <laughs> and coughing and coughing. And I coughed up blood in a parking lot. Actually, I coughed up blood in a Walgreens parking lot going to get pick up my prescription for oh, the, my uh, the cough syrup. And I was like, this is fucked up. So one night, like maybe that same night, I had a fever. It was so bad. I think it was like a maybe it was up there. It was like 103 maybe. It was gnarly. And I was actually getting dizzy from the fever, which I had never had happen before. And my girlfriend at the time was out of town, but she called me an Uber and I went to the emergency room. It took me hours to get in there. I finally get back there. They're like, yeah, we got to test you for swine flu. And I, the test is like, they basically take a Q-tip with uh, like a foot long handle and they shove it up your nose into your brain. And um, they did that and they came <laughs> back and they were like, yo, you have, they were like, you have swine flu. You know, they were like, you are really lucky that you're here right now. And oh my God. That shit was, that shit was, was scary. And yeah, part of what I'm, I'm saying with all this stuff though, is on one hand, like that stuff's scary, but my approach with coronavirus has been like, look, like I'm going to die someday, but like this shit's not going to fucking kill me. And I'm not saying that from a like, um, totally. That's how I felt too. I'm saying it from a, a fucking astrological standpoint. Like this is not in my cards. It's not how I'm going to die. But also <laughs> too, like. I've been through some shit and I feel like, you know, you know, I had cancer fucking in 2006 and people still want to like coddle me over that shit. You know, they're like, well, just be, mm. you know, be careful your immune system. And I'm like, bro, my immune system is off the chain right now. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it was, but I honestly feel like I have gotten sicker less since, mm. since cancer than, uh, than before. Um, I got a lot of stuff wrong with me. I mean, I have, I have all kinds of aches and pains and all kinds of issues, but like when it comes to like just getting sick, <laughs> for sure. But when it comes to getting sick, I'm like, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like I'm going to be okay, but I, I'm just worried about everybody else. You know I mean? I'm worried about my family yeah. and my friends. Um, yeah, totally. And I mean, I think same, like I was like, I mean, I just resorted to the fact that I was carrying it at at the very least, like as soon as I got back, I was like, all right, I'm going to stick, stay here until <laughs> I feel better and just, you know, figure out, I mean, it's so easy and we're so lucky, like people who don't like, I'm, I'm still working, like I'm still able to work and like, I'm not going to complain about having these symptoms because I knew I would get over it. And there was some like uneasy moments, but you know, I think it just made me like consider like older people in my family. I'm like, okay, if I am feeling like this, how would it like put you know, my grandpa out if he were to get it or whatever. And I'm just like screaming at everyone to stay home. I've become like a total mom in this scenario with like everybody I know. What's the Greek? <laughs> what do you call? What do you call grandpa? What do you? Papu. Oh, that's cute. That's cute. Well, listen, yeah. this has been a very informative um, and also somber 
uh, episode, which I'm totally okay with, but we'd love to have a little bit of fun with you before you leave. I didn't like write down any kind of things like, uh, I didn't like come up with any little games or anything. Um, would you say that you're, I've been dying to ask you this. I apologize in advance. Would you say that your cousin's wedding was a big fat Greek wedding? All of them are. I've already been to like so many big fat weddings. I was in Chile for a big fat Chilean wedding. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like just every other white bread culture needs to step it up but yeah, they're all nah. pretty big and fat <laughs> last thing uh, this isn't really a game if this sucks i'll edit it out it's fine in fact anything that we, <laughs> anything anything that dragged any any bad stuff yeah, you know me some of that footage before we, yeah. before this airs yeah I'm just kidding. it's gonna be it's gonna be uh it's gonna get chopped up but I, I how many um how many languages do you speak three three okay so and what languages are those English, Greek, Spanish, and I understand some Portuguese. I mean, I understand most Portuguese. I don't really speak it though. So, how are your uh, how are your accents? How are your impressions? Can we get like Greek grandma? Can we maybe do like a little improv where like you're like a Greek grandmother and I like stubbed my toe and you're like worried about me, or could we do something like that? <laughs> I'm so I'm not a performer, dude. Um, let me think. Okay, so there's this been like. Right now, there's this, I don't do TikTok, but there's this trend on TikTok about some sort of like, I don't even know what they're calling it, like iced milk coffee or some coffee drink. And it's literally a, the Greek coffee we make with Nescafe. Like it's, there's nothing special to it. And all these TikTokers are freaking out to the point where like, I saw some, and I can't remember who, but some like prominent foodie person like post about it on Instagram, like, here's my recipe for the TikTok coffee. And I'm like bitches this is greek so i've been doing these like um there's this weird instagram filter that like morphs your face and creates like a deeper voice so you kind of sound like a witch um but i've been doing a greek accent with that and sending it to all my friends about this coffee i can put um an effect on you uh in post that will make your voice deeper uh so don't worry about that <laughs> But uh, if we could just get a little, just a little bit of um, of that, or you know, maybe something along those lines, just just for all your fans out there, um, okay. I think they'd really appreciate all, it. All of them, all of them, yeah. Um, okay, so I would just say something like, "You stupid Americans! This coffee is Greek coffee. It's called a frappe. It's with Nescafe, and we give you Greek coffee. We give you frappe. We give you democracy and frappe." Yeah! <laughs> that was great. That was great. Ugh. That was perfect. Goodbye. Was that stressful? <laughs> you just yeah, just go smash your phone now. Was that stressful for you? Did you break a sweat on that? I did. I, I'm I'm really stressed out. Okay. Well, that was great. That was a perfect. That was a perfect ending point. Let's do like the hey, thanks for doing whatever, so I can just like stop recording this shit. So, um, Victoria, thank you so much for uh, spending some time today and sharing all your like private personal thoughts and just giving us some insight. I haven't talked to anybody who uh, has, has had or probably had the coronavirus. So it was really awesome for you to be so willing to talk about that today. And I really appreciate you. Thank you, John. Thanks for your questions and, and the levity too. That was good.
I mean, we're all like fucking trying to get it in right now. Like we're horny and sad and like nothing's going on, right? I'm not trying to fuck anybody, <laughs> like, yo. My doors are locked. 